this week on the Federalist Radio Hour. I think you're absolutely correct that there is no real end to cancel culture, period. Like, we're talking about a decades-long problem that is not going to end. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can now access them with Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. This new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't support your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call them at 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. We repealed 87,000 IRS agents. We promised to do that. We promised to do it. We, we made it in our, in our commitment to America, which you've talked a lot about, and we'll and check it off as they go. I have my own copy. Yeah, but you know what, you know what else we did next? We just passed the church-style committee that Jim Jordan will run, looking at the weaponization of government. You know what we just passed right now? A select committee on China. And we got 146 Democrats to vote with us. Pelosi would never allow this. I had an agreement with her, and she backed away the night before. So you- there are a number. They've actually been really busy. There's a number of things that they've done, and we're going to go into some of that because they've. I, I think a lot of people were really disillusioned by the speaker fight, and I think it drew everybody else into a fight. But the good news is that. There's a lot of momentum in all of the right places with some really good pieces of legislation and everything from national reciprocity. There was a fair tax introduction, which we're going to talk about. Uh, There was, uh, I mean, actually going after the uh, IRS, the pay for the IRS to stop the expansion, at least by controlling the funds for it. So. These are all really good things, and we're going to talk about those. Welcome to the program. Uh, happy Thursday, no, sorry, Wednesday to you. I'm ahead of myself. Uh, Dana Lash here to start your midweek off correctly. And we're also going to get into the uh, transportation. Is that what we want to call it when there's no transporting? Right. What do you call it when there's no transportation? That's a good question. Just sitting, I guess. Hell, if I know, I don't know. I mean, what do you call it? Where the hell is our transportation secretary, by the way? Is he, it's Pete Newmom Buttigieg, Poot Buttigieg. Where's he at? It's an amazing question. I would love to know where he's at because he's apparently was sleeping. I, I, I'm wondering if some of you out there are the ones who were affected by this what is this this it's basically like a messaging system the way that i understand it for pilots to be able to track their flights and communicate and all that good stuff and so that's that's the way that i was you know the way i was understanding it they had how many flights were like delayed canceled etc like 4000 oh it was more than that so 6000 oh you know no big deal more than 
it's not like anybody needed to go anywhere or anything. More flights. I the way that they were the way that this was happening, uh, they were dealing with having more. They haven't had this many issues and everything grounded and everything halted since nine eleven. And they people. I read a, a thing this morning that said people started like immediately. People started noticing at like four in the morning, four a.m. Eastern Standard Time is when everything started kicking off. And the, it's going to because it's not just as you know we've talked about. Well, as you all know, it's not just when you have a flight issue. It's not just the flight issue for that day. It lasts for quite some time. Yeah, because then it aff- it affects the next flight and the next flight and the next flight, and it just keeps going and going and going. So it ends up lasting you know several days. It's kind of. I mean, a complete and total nightmare, really. I mean, I feel I feel bad for some of these folks. So, but this is the thing. They, I mean, how it's the biggest grounding. People thought it was a, a cyber attack. Uh, what we had Southwest over Christmas. So it's called No Tam, No Tams. So if your name's Tammy, you can't get on the plane. No, it's called No Tam, and it's a system where you know before they start the flights. Pilots are, I know that they, I didn't know what the system was called. I always knew that they had a system that they looked at and they have to check the flight, you know, see where it's, you know, look, it, it deals with everything from if there's something going on with the runway, if there's ice in a particular location, you know, things like that. It's kind of like ways for your, for pilots, right? In a way, doesn't it seem like it? And so it shows you, it shows them what kind of impact there could be on some of these flights. And they tried calling and it just the whole thing broke down and they had 1000 cancellations, 7000 delays. That was according to FlightAware. So it may FlightAware seems pretty. I use that up. It seems pretty uh, reliable. And all of that's going to get and here's why I mean it gets worse because you have 21000 flights that were going to take off just today alone, mostly domestic Eight, over 1800 international flights flying to the U.S., and everything from oh, th- like 30 to 40 percent of all flights delayed, like airports in Chicago, Los Angeles, New York and Atlanta, they saw up to 40 percent of flights delayed. And so that's going to last for days, days, days. So they found, I guess, Secretary Mayor Newman Poot. He did at least he was able to get up and take a brush through his hair this morning. And he told CNN that he goes, well, we're going to see the ripple effects. No joke. And he says, now we have to understand how this could have happened in the first place. Why the usual redundancies that would have stopped that from being disruptive did not stop it from being disruptive this time. Because the system collapsed. Howdy doody. That's why. Why is this? I just, I cannot take this guy seriously. He's, somebody said he's really, really bad at transportation. He is. How many problems have we had with this dude? You know what? You know who we want to see in transportation? What we want to see for transportation is a nerd who loves you know, civil engineering and highways and roadways and, the, and railways and all of this stuff. Someone who grew up collecting matchbox cars and they had that rug that was a, a little city in their room as a kid. We want that kind of person. to. If we're going to have a stupid department like this, which I object to, by the way. If we're going to have a stupid department like this, then put a nerd who actually loves transportation in the seat. Yeah. 
as the as the head of it. Not this guy who's using it as a holdover to keep his name in the press so he can go and move to a different state and run for Senate and then thinks that's going to springboard his, you know, howdy doody, not having a double snakes into the White House. I just so ridiculous. 7,000 delays, man. 7,000 delays. And they said, again, uh, nearly half of Southwest flights were delayed. <laughs> they were the no- they were the top carrier affected by all this. Wow, they're not having a really good. They're not having a really good time here, are they? Southwest, just not. So that's the. That's the. I I feel bad. I feel bad. They had, what is it? They had Amtrak riders also stuck on board for thirty seven hours. No joke. This also happened. And you know what? Here's the here's the thing. He had tweeted out. Quote, FAA has determined that the safety system affected by the overnight outage is fully restored. And he was saying that uh, that this is um, every the, the nationwide ground stop is going to be li- the, the lift will be removed effective immediately. We're going to we're going to lift the groundings. Everybody's going to be back in the air. And he goes, I've directed an after action process to determine root causes and recommend next steps. I cannot. First off, is he even in the United States or is he still on vacation? He is it, and did he take another government plane to go on vacation? Because didn't he go watch the, the? Didn't he go over to Europe on a government plane and took his significant other? I guess it was their baby. Or was the baby moon after? I don't know. There's a new story out yesterday about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did, did oh about them going on vacation oh, yeah. together? Oh, yeah. Another vacation, another damn vacation. Oh, yeah. I've had Christmas break and one vacation in the past year and a half. Yeah. And this guy, every single time, every time. Now, Biden, as Juan noted, was addressing some of the flight chaos. This is, isn't this the time they should trot out Poot anyway? This is, the, this is POTUS talking about this. Listen. Well, we should have it here. Well, he's talking, he was, he's saying, really, if I could do bad lip reading, he'd say, it's all Poot's fault. It's all Poot's fault. Poot did this. I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead and let's hear. I just spoke folks. to Buttigieg. They don't know what the cause is. But I was on the phone about 10 minutes. I told report directly to me when they find out. Aircraft can still land safely. Just not take off right now. They don't know what the cause of it is. They expect to be able to, in a couple hours, they'll have a good sense of the cause. Mm. Well, that... that- well, we don't know what the problem is, isn't? But isn't that you want to talk about um, the redundancies in place to make sure things like this don't happen? The redundancies are called Pete Buttigieg. They're there to make sure this stuff doesn't happen before it happens. So he's not doing his job as a redundancy. Why is he still there? Because, like I said, what is it? They had um, Amtrak riders also were stuck. They said. This is tweeted out, a travel nightmare is unfolding on Amtrak. Passengers on the auto train have been stuck on board for over 29 hours, currently sitting in the woods in rural South Carolina. Passengers called the local police saying they are being held hostage. But they weren't being held hostage. They were just on a train that broke down. There's apparently audio of the call, too. And I'm really... And it should, and somebody was taking a picture of the emergency removal. Do you want to play this? Because they were, they apparently were calling. They were saying, we're just, we're in the woods in South Carolina. 20, it, it was it's like 30 hours though. That's all over a whole day. That's nuts. 
That's crazy. And they said that they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're being held hostage. Listen, if you have this. It left D.C. Monday at 5. For those of you that are calling the police, we are not holding you hostage. We are giving you all the information in which we have. We are sorry about the inconvenience. As soon as more information is available, we will let you know shortly. Thank you. Please stop. Please stop calling the police. You're not being held hostage. Everything's okay. Stop calling the police again. We need you to quit. Really. (sighs) Man, can you imagine being stuck on a train for that long? Yeah. 20, over 29 hours. So it's actually, it was probably like a little over 30. Can you imagine being, and, and people are, oh, but they're just stuck out in the woods. Just, you know, I thought, oh man. They, what is happening with public transit? For real. Like, I, I mean, I don't feel, I don't feel bad for Pooh Buttigieg. He, this is, this is a guy who tells everyone else to drive electric to maybe stay home more while he takes government planes to go and, and, and watch game events, sporting events over in Europe. Just not. Just not. All right. So we've got all of this and a lot more on the way because we're, we're still watching as they get all of this stuff back on track. And we're going to go through all the stuff that the House has been up to. So they, they're voting. They're moving to, to abolish the IRS, replace it with the fair tax, discussions about a consumption tax. The White House is threatening to veto the bill that cuts over $70 billion from the IRS. Oh, please make that free ad for them. Please. Uh, there's articles of impeachment. House Republicans file that against Mayorkas. Uh, oh, my gosh. More of the J6. All the hours of J6 video will be released. All these people have been kicked out from different committees. Schiff, Omar, Swalwell. We're going to get into all of that because they've been incredibly busy. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. I'm going to run with this headline real quick just because I saw it and I can't get over it. This guy says he almost died because he turned his head too fast playing pickleball. I'm going to have to consult with Juan and Steve, who are the resident pickleball experts here. He says, I almost died after turning my head too fast in pickleball. And he said he's super fast, a super fast dad. Oh, my gosh. He's from Kane. Kane. He's from Festus, Missouri. Oh, my gosh. We are so going to have fun with this. I'm bookmark it. Bookmark it. Come back. That's where I was born, by the way. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. Let's get to the serious stuff before we come back because he's probably somebody's relative here. So before we make fun, let's check. Uh, the Houston Chronicle <laughs> says uh, they they were going to execute. They Didn't they have trouble executing this guy, this Robert Frada? Because they said all of the juice that they use, I guess, the injection stuff. Not the vaccine, sorry. The... Uh, the, the what is it? Well, I can't even think of the name of it. That, that it was expired, and so there was a little bit of problems. Robert Frada was uh, convicted in 19, for a nineteen ninety four murder for hire, killing of his estranged wife, and they finally did he they did administer uh, the punishment uh, and carry out the capital punishment because he was it was a brutal murder. It was brutal, brutal what he did. Uh, but there was a a, a a delay because they said that the injection was expired and i'm like does stuff that's meant to kill you expire like really do we got to pay attention to that like really i mean it's designed to, to kill you i mean i'm pretty sure an expiration date's only going to make it more fatal so i don't know i don't know how that works uh parents are comparing man new york post parents are comparing strict new lunch rules at a british school to slavery in prison new york post it's the Harnham Junior School in Salisbury. They've invoked strict new curriculum that mandates children as young as seven adopt the awkward walking posture to prevent them from running or using their hands. And I don't even know. That sounds like Monty Python. That is Monty Python. So they have uh, rules about walking. They have to keep their hands to their sides. And then apparently they have strict, strict, strict lunch rules. And the parents are freaking out about it, which it does seem kind of crazy. Uh, but they said that the... Uh, it, I mean, it does read like a horrible, horrible... It's like a horror film. This is how horror films involving kids in school start. But uh, this is at a British school. Uh, also, U.S. Navy. A ship stopped a fishing boat with 2,000 AK-47s headed from Iran to Yemen. And they laid them all out and took a nice picture like. Mm. And Damar Hamlin does the Did We Win shirts. Raising money raises a lot of money for first responders at the Cincinnati Trauma Center. Awesome. Stick with us. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Former Democrat chair of the Judiciary Committee is in the press today saying we're going to fight this tooth and nail. This is political. But meanwhile, the former Democrat chair of the Intelligence Committee pressured Twitter to censor a journalist. You've got to be kidding me. That This is the most important. This is about the First Amendment, something you guys used to care about. And I'd actually hoped we could get bipartisan agreement on protecting the First Amendment, the five rights we enjoy as Americans under the First Amendment. Your right to practice your faith, your right to assemble, right to petition the government, freedom of press, freedom of speech. Every single one's been attacked in the last two years. Well, he's not wrong. That's Jim Jordan, who's been a thousand percent correct in that soundbite. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. And bottom of our first hour Wednesday and so this I wanted to give you a rundown of some of what they've been doing in the house with everything they voted to abolish the IRS and replace it with a fair tax and this says the Republic Washington examiner Republican led house is going to vote on a bill to abolish the IRS and replace the existing income tax system with a wide reaching consumption tax uh, representative buddy Carter Republican out of Georgia introduced the legislation. It's the fair tax act on Tuesday and McCarthy is pushing. They're going to allow a floor vote on the legislation. This is part of the, uh, by the way, this is 
they say it's part of a deal that, that was cut with conservative house freedom caucus this was something that had been agreed to long ago this is one of the things that had been kind of you know done for quite some time uh the bill they say the bill has zero chance of becoming law during congress well you do have the senate that you have to get through and though i think the house i mean there's the fair tax is not my preferred although it's better than what we have i like a graduated consumption tax because then everybody is you can't get away from it and by graduated consumption tax meaning that you know everybody except on necessities like there's certain things that you would not there's certain things that just aren't taxable but it does one of two things it makes it to where everybody has to pay in the system fairly and then it also makes it to where government has to watch their dollars. They can't go out spending money like crazy anymore if they have a, only a certain amount that they, that they know is going to be coming in. I mean, if they, if they only spent what they were supposed to, we would, I mean, we'd, goodness, we'd have a surplus. And so the bill that was introduced would eliminate the need for the department entirely because it would simplify the tax code. The fact that you have to, that, that depending on how you're filing, you have to have professional help is ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous it's so insane and so some of these other uh, there's a number of other lawmakers that have signed on to it i think it's a great idea i th- like i said i think a graduated consumption tax is a little it's something i prefer a little bit more i don't think that your income should be taxed at all i don't think that uh um and i also think that property tax property tax means you never really own your property so a graduated consumption tax, the area in which you live, that's the way to go about it. You don't need that. We see if we, we have too many things, people are like, well, you're not going to be able to afford this, this or this. If you keep it to article one, section eight, you can. And then leave the rest to, you know, lo- different localities to figure out how they're going to do it. So that's just one of the things that they've done. The other thing introduced. Oh, by the way, the White House has threatened to veto that. Please, for the love of all things, holy cut that ad Republic for the Republican Party. Oh, yes, during a time of inflation, when people are struggling to buy eggs and we want to ban your gas stoves, uh, we're going to we're going to increase taxes and make it to where you have uh, double the amount of IRS agents coming at you. It's 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 I read this article the other day and it had to deal with heirlooms. It's uh, says how people's heirlooms. This is something that it, it, it came over from a UK publication, but it's this is something that. Uh, the Biden administration has wanted to incorporate into how we conduct, how everything that, how, how, how we file our taxes, they would like to change this. But it gets into, you know, uh, tracking down hidden wealth and heirloom things and all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's wild how much the government, how much of your money the government thinks is theirs. So the, other argument that was coming out is that by rescinding this this funding for the IRS, it's actually going to increase the deficit. This is one of the things that Democrats have been pushing. A talking point. They said, well, there's a CBO analysis that shows that you're going to actually increase the federal deficit if you if you pull the funding for these IRS agents. Because they're they're going to but here's the thing though this is why this you can't say that that this is why their argument doesn't make sense how many times did the biden administration lie 
I mean, we know it's a lie, but how many times did they say that, well, the agents that, that we're bringing in, these are agents who are going to be dealing with IT support and answering taxpayer questions. They're not going to be auditing people on Etsy, which we know that's a lie now. But this, the CBO also said that Joe Biden's cancellation of student loans is going to cost $400 billion. Remember? They only work at... This is so stupid. This is all so dumb. You know what else, by the way, if you wanted to lower the deficit, if you actually just have a flat and fair tax and you don't have such a crazy tax code? If you... I, I, that's, that's the thing. And, and not spend as much. But that's not any, anything that ever comes up. Not at all. That's not at all anything that comes up. And nobody believes this. But this was the talking point that they were coming out with. People who can't do math. We have an actual legitimate problem with math illiteracy in this country. But that was one of the other things that Republicans have been pushing out there. Also, uh, the one House Republican filed articles of impeachment against Mayorkas. And I told you yesterday, Schiff, Ilhan Omar, and Eric Swalwell have been officially removed from a number of committees. Eric Swalwell was complaining about this yesterday on Twitter. He said, quote, Representative Byron Donalds admits that McCarthy, he was on MSNBC, that McCarthy is kicking me and Adam Schiff and Ilhan Omar off our committees purely out of vengeance. And I had helpfully said, well, hey, that now that you're not on the Intel Committee anymore, you can bang all the CCP spies that you want to. This is true. So he can go and, I mean, he's, maybe he can go and whine to CNN and fart about it. I don't know. But I, uh, I'm glad to see them off that committee. There's, I doubt that some of them, I, would, would, is it even questionable that Swalwell, considering how the whole thing with the Chinese spy went out, I don't even know if he would actually get as a civilian, if he would, if he would even merit any kind of special allowances through Intel because of that. But, you know, he's Democrat lawmaker, so I guess he's, you know, D different. So these are all good things that they're doing, that uh, Democrats have been doing. All very good things. Now, Biden has returned from Mexico. If you saw the email newsletter that I had sent out, he returned from Mexico. And there were some very interesting sound bites uh, that came out of this because uh, the Mexican president, Andre Obrador, had said, quote, President Biden, you are the first president of the United States in a long time that has not built not even one meter of wall. We thank you for that. He says that the GOP won't like it, but Mexico appreciates it. So there's a free ad that the Mexican president Obrador just cut for the Republican Party. Great job. Man, that's million dollar footage. Cut that ad. Do you think there's somebody in the party who's just like, who just, their job is to say, cut that ad. That ad, cut it. That's all they do is just watch and cut that ad. See, we could do that job. We'd be so good at it. But for real, that's. That's so great. That just that just like really is so bad for him. Uh, the other thing that uh, so he they came back. They had some uncomfortable moments. The president was asked about the secret the the CSI documents, the ten documents that were quote unquote commingled with other regular proletariat documents, not special like the CSI documents. Uh, he had responded to some of that. What is this? Audio sound by three. He was this was this was yesterday. Listen to this. People know I take classified uh, 
documents and classified information seriously. Really? When my lawyers were clearing out my office at the University of Pennsylvania, they set up an office for me, secure office in the Capitol, when I, the four years after being vice president, I was a professor at Penn. Uh, they found some documents in a box in a locked cabinet, or at least a closet. And as soon as they did, they realized there were several classified documents in that box. And they did what they should have done. They immediately called the archives, immediately called the archives, turned them over to the archives, and I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've, my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives, and we're cooperating fully, cooperating fully with the review, and which I hope will be finished soon, and uh, there'll be more detail at that time. So didn't the archives and, well, at the direction of the archives, people in the White House, longtime government folks, didn't, weren't they the ones who packed up Trump's boxes? Because the way that the Washington Post was trying to argue is that Donald Trump himself came in in a sweatsuit and packed up all of his documents himself personally using Home Depot boxes, packed them up by himself, carried them all out, loaded them up, drove them in a van to his other office. Nobody believes this is how, nobody believes this is how it went down. Now, the way that I understood it, it was that it, yeah, and the VP can't declassify. That's the other thing. But the way that I understood it was that it was the National Archives folks who were working with White House officials that are that, that make things run on time, make the trains run on time, to pack everything up. That's the way that I, that's the way I understood it. So... The comparison and as a way to or they're saying that, well, they're not they're not at all different the way that the left has been saying this. They're right. They're not at all uh, or they're not all the same. They're not the same because Joe Biden was vice president and he doesn't enjoy that executive privilege to declassify things the way Trump does. I can't even believe this is still a thing. Why the hell is this still a thing? This is so stupid. He 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 screwed up. And he's guilty of the same thing, even more so because he never had the power to declassify anything. Why are we still having this discussion? What civility is, is, are we leveling up in a new, different realm of civility by still pretending that this is a legitimate discussion to have? It's stupid. There should be an independent counsel, special counsel to investigate this. Go ahead. Because I'm told that the whole country could blow up. That's what we were told with Trump. I mean, I didn't make these rules. They did. Just saying. They're the ones who made the rules. Uh, one race to watch coming up, Katie Porter and Adam Schiff. So Katie Porter, didn't she just win a House seat? Like she barely won the House seat. It was, from what I understand, it was a runoff election. She barely wins her House seat. Now she wants to run for Senate. And she and Adam Schiff apparently are going for Feinstein's seat. That's going to be, who can, who can whose eyes are going to ogle the other the most? I don't know. We're going to discuss this. Uh, we're also, we've got a whole bunch of other things to get into. Because now... The White House is saying, well, no, we didn't never actually told anyone we wanted to ban, you know, the gas stoves. All of this is blowing up in these people's faces. So we're going to get into that. Uh, we have let me also check and go look at the rundown here. Uh, the Pentagon drops the covid vaccine, not really vaccine mandate for troops. 
That's huge. We have that. Uh, some of the latest with wokery, a huge Second Amendment story coming out of Illinois because they've banned, quote unquote, assault style firearms. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. So there's a study out last month which found indoor gas stove use and the pollutants that come with it are tied to an increased risk of asthma in children. CNN chief climate correspondent Bill Ware is here. So uh, people are up in arms over this. There seems to be the sense that I'm going to take that stove out of your kitchen, no, which is not exactly what's happening. No, but it speaks to the emotion yeah. of food <laughs> and how we prepare it and certain styles. And this is 100 years of advertising. You're cooking with gas now was a deliberate campaign from the American Gas Association when they were up against wood and coal mm-hmm. back oh in the gosh. 30s. Even today, a couple of years ago, it was found that they're sort of paying influencers to cook out their gas stoves because... Electric, frankly, is so superior just in terms of it's much more efficient, it's safer, the new induction stoves are safer and all of that. And oh this has created gosh, sort of gas guy. wars in different parts of the this country. They banned Weir. it in new construction in New York he, City. He's the, what did they say? He's the climate, the head of the, the he, he's the climate reporter? Isn't that a meteorologist? Oh, he's our political, we're going to fake, our fake science political reporter. Okay, we got it now. Oh, we got it. Welcome back to the program. He also said this. This is Soundbite 19. He said that, the that, well, just listen. I'm going to let it speak for itself. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, the science is showing us that having a gas stove in a small apartment, especially with bad ventilation, it's like having an, a car idling there. And if you have wow. young kids, are, they, are the kids sucking on the, the tailpipe? Like what's happening and, here? As well as asthma. I feel like these are crazy people who've never cooked with a gas stove because I have a gas stove. I ripped out the electric stove because it was trash and I put in a gas stove. They're gaslighting us about gas. There's, you know why people use gas? Because it's cleaner and it's cheaper and it's more plentiful and it's easy and it gets things hot. Electric stoves are garbage. When I went to go get my gas stove, I wanted a particular type of gas stove. I don't want no bells and whistles. I don't want no, oh, well, here's the button you can press for your cookie bake setting. Shut up. I want something where I turn it on and off. I don't want nothing fans. I don't want no bells and whistles. I want a serious, because we bake and cook a lot. And I ripped out that electric POS. It's like, no, I didn't want, I wanted, I wanted to throw it up. If I could throw it up in the air, I'd, you know, use it as skeet, but. Whole point is, this is I, these people have never, ever used a gas stove in their lives. You can tell. They've never used it. Ever. Second hour's on the way. You don't want to miss. Stay with us. we got a lot more in store. Where's Mayor Poot? This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. A couple of things. First, I think you're absolutely correct that there is no real end to cancel culture, right. period. Like, we're talking about a decades-long uh, problem that is not going to end. The, the vibe shift is, like... Literally, I think I don't think the vibe shift is a positive thing. I think the vibe shift is like a perpetual revolution type of thing. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We have a responsibility to get to the bottom of that. My friend Jody Arrington, who's going to chair budget, he wants to look into the budget and also look into entitlements. Do you know that Social Security is going to be insolvent in 2025? It is not going to be. That yes, is not true. That, that is actually, actually not true. No, it's actually not true. It's actually not true. It's actually not true. It's actually not true. But it's actually not true. That's 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 which would actually subject Social Security to the whims of the market, which I don't think that people... If you that's actually, not what they paid into. The, no, if no, you look at the returns not, of the S&P 500 since 2006, the returns of the S&P 500 since 2006, You're saying so you, you, Okay, so you support privatizing I, I, Social Security. No, I want to explain to you. I am a financial professional. I'm securities license. Actually, I just lost my licenses because I'm not allowed to trade anymore because I'm a member of Congress. Mm -hmm. But let me assure you, if you look at the S&P 500 from 2006 until today, the growth rate in the S&P 500 would have more than taken care mm -hmm. of Social Security. He's not wrong as Byron Donalds, who I hate starting out my show with someone who has way smaller of an audience than I do and is not really talented enough to use his audio to start the show with. But I was really more showcasing his incredibly smart answers, not her repeat abject stupidity. Welcome to the second hour of the program. I am your lovable. <laughs> that's doing a lot of work today. Curmudgeon, Dana Lash with you. Top of our second hour here. That is, it, and it is going to be insolvent. And it's, I mean, I don't know how many agency has come out with their own rundown and independent you know, uh, watchdogs, everything, saying that this is going to be insolvent because it's been used. Remember back when um, Al Gore was running for president? I'll never forget, during one of the debates, he said, well, I'm going to take Social Security and put it in a lockbox. That only Democrats have the key to and can write it any time. Of course, he didn't say that latter part, but that's ultimately what happened. That's the thing. I mean, this is your, I think the Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. I've said this so many times before. People have gotten so mad at me because I've said it, but it is true. The government steals your money from you and says, we're going to give this back. It was something that was done to help the, the, the widows and that after World War II. It was never supposed to be a permanent, this was never supposed to be a permanent thing, but it was made a permanent thing because whenever you can take money from people and give it to other people, and these are people's hard-earned money, that's something that the left loves because socialism, yay. But you're, you're stealing people's money, telling them that the government's going to be able to do a better job with your money than you are. Think about this. The government, the same government that runs the DMV, the same government that can't get a single damn package like in one piece, like three of the last things that I had sent were like damaged by government mail services. I like my, 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 I like my mailman. It's not his fault, but it's like, you know, some down the line, there's some people who are throwing stuff around. The issue here is that the, the government has no right to do any of this. And Democrats want to scare people into thinking that them keeping their money, i.e. privatization, means that you're, you're too stupid to make smart decisions about your money. I'm going to tell you, the dumbest American is going to be better than anybody in government making any kind of decision about their own money and retirement. Oh, that's actually true. Mm -hmm. It is. The dumbest American, the dumbest person getting Social Security or paying into the system is going to do a better job making decisions about their own money than anybody in government. Government doesn't have a great track record. How many billions did they, 500-something billion on a website for healthcare that didn't work? Remember that? 
No, no, no. It was so, no. It was a ridiculous amount of money. No, four billion is ridiculous for a website. No, I know, but in Washington terms, that's not much. I wonder. Maybe it was in five hundred billion. Maybe it was like it was like fifty billion or something ridiculous. It was double digits. I know, because we were talking about how quickly we could throw something up on GeoCities and make it work. <laughs> the, it is going to. It is. It is insolvent. Privatization of Social Security is something that I. I just. That I don't even know why we call it that. Why are we treating Social Security like it's a thing that you either have to make federally run or citizen ran? Why the hell do we need it? Just get people back their damn money. I think people who paid into Social Security should get every dime that they paid that they paid into it. And that people who haven't paid into Social Security yet, then don't give don't let give them the option. Do you want the government to horribly mismanage your funds or would you rather handle your money yourself? Give people the option. But don't sit here and act like it's a thing that has to be done. That's why I hate the context of this entire argument. Privatization means you're just not giving more of your money to the damn government. That's what it means. It means you can take your money and you can put it in a retirement fund. You can do whatever you want with it. Not the government. Like the, where does the, Where does Uncle Sam have the right? To steal your money and say, you know what, I'm going to make a retirement plan for you. I'm going to take the Social Security money away from you and I'm going to keep it in a lockbox. Where's, show me in Article 1, Section 8 where the federal government has their, oh, they don't. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's actually true. I would love to see Social Security abolished entirely. The whole scheme because it's stupid. People can, I, people can deal with their own money themselves. It's insane, and it is going to be insolvent. They have to keep taking money from something else. So, the couple of things here. This uh, whole issue with the IRS. Because there are some people, I love these people. These are some of my favorite people. You know, you have the people out there who see the bill about... House Republicans wanting to freeze or repeal the funding for these 87,000 IRS agents. And they say, well, actually, actually, it's not a it's not doing anything. It's just stopping the money because the the Senate's never going to go along with it. Actually. So is your argument that because the Senate is controlled by Democrats that we should just go along with everything Democrats do? Actually, is that the argument? I mean, it's a fair question, right? Don't even try. Just go along with everything. That's what I'm hearing. Whenever anybody says this, all I hear is, just don't even try. Don't even try. One other thing I've noticed, have you guys been following the stuff with George Santos? George Santos is the guy from New York who, pull this up here. He's the guy from New York who lied. He lied. I'm not going to lie. He lied. And Politico says that uh, local New York GOP leaders are calling on George Santos to resign because he made this like whore. He did. He pulled an Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren was all like, I'm a real Indian. And actual American Indians are like, no, you're not. And then they embarrassed her publicly. So George Santos lied about his background and Republicans in New York are calling for him to resign. They said they're going to issue a rebuke of him running as a complete liar in an effort to resuscitate the image of the party. Shut up. Elizabeth Warren literally wrote that she was a brown skinned American Indian woman 
that fair-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed lady, that she was a brown-skinned American Indian woman on her card applying for her applications to apply for uh, jobs at Harvard. She said that she actually was called the first, in, what is it? She was the first uh, indigenous American attorney or something at Harvard. Like, they made a big deal about it. They called her a woman of color, all these things. For real. She's still where she is on the Senate. Shut up. No. Or what about the president in chief? All the times that he's lied. Lying is not a crime. And lying in, lying in Congress, you're not, it's not a crime, guys. It's not a crime. You know who decides whether or not sh- someone should resign? Is the voters. If the voters decide they don't like George Santos, then the voters will take care of it. Who are these people? Well, I'm in the local party. I'm in the local Republican party. I'm the bouncer. I'm the party that failed to stop some of the gun control that was happening in New York. But by damn, I'm going to sit here and try to resuscitate my party's image. What? (laughs) These people that come out here. I'm the bouncer for the party. Shut up. Nope. The voters get to decide this. I'm just going to sit back and eat popcorn and watch. I think this is crazy. And I love these reporters. Like this one MSNBC reporter. It's like, um, because this was, this is New York, this is New York's third congressional district. Democrats have controlled this district for a long time. And they want, they just, they want it, they can't, they weren't able to win it during an election. So now they just want to, they just want it. George Santos lied. Yeah. And it's not an endorsement of lying. Since when do lies bother you? Why don't you ask your American Indian Senator Elizabeth Warren? Since when do lies bother you? Why don't you go ask Joe Biden, who knew nothing about them business dealings that his son was involved in, big guy? Why don't you go ask Joe Biden? I mean, if we're going to if we're going to start by by punishing every person in Congress who lies, there's nobody going to be left in government. Which actually may be a good thing. I'm just going to say that. Actually, I now you may be you may be convincing me of something there. Uh, but this is the this is the the voters' job to decide this. I love how some of them who are absolute POSs want to be like, well, some of us are bigger POSs than others. Okay, still up for the voters to determine. It's still them. All right, I gotta I gotta play this for you only because I hate this guy. I can't stand this guy. Uh, the balding ginger. I put this piece out last night because the only I have a really t- a bizarre way of putting two completely seemingly disjointed stories together. And I did this in a post last night because I was talking about that balding ginger and his short waisted briefcase wife uh, who <laughs> Kane's like, what is up with your insults? I am my grandmother's granddaughter. She was the queen of them. But they were going after the British Commonwealth and I, I blah, 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 long story short, there's some Commonwealth, there, Barbados was a Commonwealth nation, they left and now they're biting onto China's Belt and Road Initiative to the detriment of Barbados. And there's a threat that, you know, a weakened Commonwealth means more opportunities for China, CCP, Belt and Road. We're going to talk about that with Steve Yates coming up. But he was on Colbert, one of the most annoying talk show hosts ever. And he has this book that I have no intention of reading. But I did see an excerpt and in his book, he was talking about Afghanistan. He says it was a war of mistakes, blah, blah, blah. He said, my targets, blah, blah, blah. I was firing on Taliban and only Taliban. 
And he said, uh, most soldiers, he's bragging about it. He says, most soldiers can't tell you precisely how much death is on their ledger. Why don't you go ahead and steal a line, by the way, from uh, the Avengers, from Loki and uh, uh, what's her face? Scarlett Johansson. That literally is like a line from that scene. Why don't you go ahead and steal from their dialogue a little bit more? You've got a lot of death on your ledger. I mean, seriously, we know what movies you watch, you simple-minded cretin. Anyway, he says, in battle conditions, there's great deal of indiscriminate firing. And then, and then he, he goes, so my number was 25. It wasn't a number that gave me any satisfaction. I'm going gonna, gonna to talk, we're running out of time, because he goes on Colbert and says, well, I never said that. The media is lying. They're going to get people killed. You, did you not write your book? Or did your short-waisted wife write it? And is that why it reads so damn bad? Because you were, it was supposed to be written by an award-winning journalist, which, I mean, I don't believe this guy in stuff with prepositions, but, you know, I could be wrong. We're going to talk more about this. I feel like being mean. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So several kilos of uranium have been found at uh, London's Heathrow Airport. Uh, some were saying, oh, is it a dirty, dirty bomb ingredients, etc. What could this be? Uh, I All I know is that this is, isn't, hasn't this happened before? Stuff like this has happened before, where they found this kind of, it said shipment of uranium was seized at Heathrow, sparking terror fears. The undeclared material was discovered on December 29th on a passenger flight destined for an Iranian business premises in the UK. It originated from Pakistan, arrived on a flight via Oman. Uh, deadly nuclear. I wouldn't want to be on that plane. They said it wasn't weapons grade, but it's still so. It's uranium, man. I wouldn't want to be on a plane with that, would you? No, it's rhetorical. This is a horrible story. Crocodile takes revenge on a zoo worker and ate their lawnmower. Horrible for the lawnmower. Hysterical, though, overall. Uh, loud lawnmower violated an Australian crocodile's territory. So the territory got mad, took the lawnmower, and caused the keepers to attempt a risky rescue. The alligator's name is Elvis. Of course it is. Resident of the Australian Reptile Park. It sprang for the mower, seized it from Tim Faulkner, the operations manager and the caretaker. It's a 16-foot saltwater crocodile. It flooded the machinery, dragged it underwater, and guarded it. Faulkner goes, it was his prize, his trophy. If it moved, he's going to attack it again. So... They and I mean it took them a long time. They had to get the they had to get the lawnmower out of there, and it took them a long time to actually. That's hysterical though. It was his little trophy that he got that little lawnmower. Uh, let's see. Lori Lightfoot says she's not going to quit Chicago mayor gig until the city is America's safest big city. Except she doesn't want to do anything to actually make it safe. She had tweeted that taking weapons of war and high capacity magazines off our streets is essential to bringing peace to our city. It's a must, much have priority. Well, they should lower their recidivism rate by enforcing penalties for violent crimes and maybe stopping the reduction of, of penalty. That would be essential because repeat offenders there live off the indulgence of that restorative justice she champions. Wisconsin High School canceled a drag show after libs of TikTok and others tweeted about it and made it go viral. Yeah, in Arkansas, smartly trying to classify drag shows, which is a sexual performance, the same as escort services. Hmm. Stick with us. We got more in store. Dana gives you the meat and potatoes news of the day. None of that tofu news. More like bacon with a side of hash browns news. The news you want, the way you want it. The Dana Show. They have grown so big that they are no longer accountable to the branch of government that created them, that funds them, and it is responsible for their oversight, then they need to be hemmed in. 
I implore my colleagues on the other side of the aisle to populate this committee with serious Democrats. I know there are some over there. I've worked with them. We've co-sponsored amendments on privacy over the past decade. Some of them have passed. Please populate it with serious members. Please, to my colleagues on this side of the aisle, give us the resources we need to do this job. And if I may rebut one thing that's been said on the other side of the aisle about ongoing criminal investigations. He says it's unprecedented that Congress would engage in an investigation that involves an ongoing criminal investigation. What was the January 6th committee? That's a good point. What was it at all? Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of second hour. You know the... Where's my story? Where's my story? Where's my story? Here it is. The... All the... What is it? 14,000 hours of all the J6 video that's all going to be released. Go ahead and release. Go ahead and put it out there. Put it out there. Go ahead and put it out there. Should. We need to. There's so much out there. We need to. Here's the thing, though. (sighs) And I'm happy that they're... I'm glad they're doing... This, how did they put it, like a church-style committee of all of this to examine what's happening with this weaponization. It's kind of crazy that they have to do it in the first place. But I'm, I'm happy that it is being done. But is it going to bring accountability? Sometimes I wonder, like even if, you know, say that Republicans, you know, had like full control of everything in D.C., is there still going to be any kind of Accountability. It's a million dollar question. I wrote, uh, if you see the newsletter over at Substack, chapter and verse, I was talking about this before we went to break. And, well, before we went to headlines, I should say, because I cannot stand this dude. And I always look and see how things affect issues of foreign policy. And I remember after, I didn't pay any attention, and I am not about to start doing Oprah-style content and talking about the royals and all of that stuff, because I don't care, except how it affects me. Now, how does this affect you? How would this affect you? Here's how I think it would affect you. And we're going to talk about this coming up next hour with Steve Yates. I, um, and I wrote this again in the newsletter. This is why you should get the newsletter. I wrote about this in chapter and verse. And I assure people I'm not going to start covering. I'm not going to do like royal commentary because I just don't care. I'm a proud member of this republic and I just don't care. But however, what gets me is the and this is where you're going to I'm going to join two odd issues is how this actually can help China. Not that I think that either of these two spare us. Isn't that his book? His new book out called Spare Us. Oh, no, just Spare. Okay, Spare the Rest of Us. And his briefcase wife, social uh, social climbing game show, Z-list actress, spouse. I don't believe that these two at all together have in any way political clout. I didn't pay attention to any of them until she began. I saw this. I saw this as a story. It was actually, I think it was in like Newsweek or something. She began legit cold calling and sending letters to lawmakers. And there was a big scandal and she got slammed by Demo- by even some Democrats for it because she got people's private numbers and their like lawmakers private numbers and started sending them out, calling them. 
And she would leave messages as the Duchess and call and write letters and sign Duchess. This chick is like, oh, I don't care about titles. Don't you dare take my Duchess title for me. It's just so it's so ridiculous. That's when I started paying attention to it because the Z-lister began trying to lobby members of Congress on, you know, abortion and everything else, signing her name Duchess. <laughs> like, Broad, we fought a war to not, like, have to listen to no Duchess. Sorry, it's not how we do stuff here. So these, I, I had written, these two aren't content with apparently wrecking their own little family dynamic, but they harbor ambitions to meddle in American politics and world affairs. So this is, I, I, I had put this up that I've, we've talked about China's one, ro- one belt run road policy for quite some time with Steve Yates and how it's like an expansion of kind of their Marshall plan, which we'll talk about. Not to get in the weeds, but so you understand the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth, which was created under the Queen, was in the thir- 31, 32, something like that. And she expanded it and, and it was about she was, you know, kind of an ornamental, somewhat ornamental head of state, yet everyone else, all these other countries could have their own monarchies, they had their own systems of government, et cetera, et cetera, but there was an equal relationship, and they viewed each other as equals, Britain and these former, what uh, many of them former colonies, and they encouraged them, they, they wanted to make sure that they had access to, to, to business opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. And it's actually smart if you think about it because countries that don't have absent like a strong relationship with a powerful com- powerful country that that can leave a, a smaller nation vulnerable to state predatory behavior. And this is where China comes in. So China, as you know, the one belt, one road policy. There was a very insightful read, and I linked all of this. I was reading Commonwealth Roundtable, amongst others, and it got into China trying to challenge the global architecture of the world. The UN has too much on its plate, and it's a joke anyway. The United States has been very cognizant of how, I think with Democrat presidents, they're very concerned with how they're viewed by other leaders, except whenever anything hits the fan, it's always... You know, the United States that's expected to do anything. In fact, it was interesting. Some of these British think pieces were saying, you know, the United States is not being the police, the policeman of the world anymore, the police force of the world. Boris Johnson, to his credit, was very he was also very cognizant of this. He was warning of what he said was a Chinese chokehold before he was ousted. The prime minister had launched a new drive against Beijing's expansionism amongst poorer countries after China placed pressure on Barbados to remove the late queen as its head of state. Now, as I said, to note that ty- that tyrants will exploit power vacuums, even if the head of state is somewhat, you know, ceremonial here, isn't a statement of royalist support. Just absent this strong relationship, you can be, a, co- a country can be vulnerable to China's predatory lending, and that's it. Not every, you don't have to use a tank to steamroll a country. You can use loans. That's exactly what's happening here. This is shocking. So the countries that have the countries without the sheer economic force of the U.S. or Britain or France or others, they're going to find it harder to fight off some of these overtures of communist China. The irony, though, is that countries who buy into this Belt and Road scam end up with actually far less uh, starts with financial freedom than they had before the one sided partnership. So what happens is that, like, for instance, Barbados, they left the Commonwealth. 
and they are now part of China's Belt and Road Initiative. So Beijing lends money to these broke countries and they say, oh, we're going to fund critical infrastructure. We're going to give you high speed rail. We're going to give you ports. And it's and it's often really poorly, poorly constructed. So they seize control of the, the of the finished project if countries default on any loan. And the terms are ridiculous. They demand preferential terms in all trade deals as a condition of the loan. And this is what Boris Johnson was saying was a Chinese chokehold over this. Over the, That was his quote over much of the developing world. He says we should remind our Caribbean cousins that a constitutional monarch, particularly under our, the late queen, was the best defense against tyrants, etc. And so now a lot of these countries that join this Belt and Road Initiative owe so much money to China. In some instances, it's over a third of their entire GDP. Is that not insane? I mean, when you look at some of these other countries, like in Laos, it's over 26% of their GDP. Ethiopia is nearing 20%. And Beijing took, Beijing was able to take Barbados into it. Barbados has been an independent constitutional realm. They were a democracy in the Commonwealth. And even though you have like the ceremonial figurehead of the queen, or now I guess the king, they don't exercise actual control over the inhabitants. They don't, they don't make any kind of governmental decisions. And they, so here's where the, the balding ginger and his zealous wife come in. After all, all of this was happening as all of their stuff, all of their controversy and everything really started uh, uh, crescendoing to a shriek, for the lack of a better way to say it. So Barbada, uh, Barbadans were actually trying to, to get rid of the symbolic rule and being part of the Commonwealth. And one of the, they, it wasn't anything that changed in the Commonwealth and it wasn't anything that the late queen or anything else did or the British government. It was these promises that China gave. And so this balding ginger and his wife and their friends, uh, well, they're fans, they don't have any friends, all of their supporters and paid for bots and everything were floating this argument that, oh, well, it's because of the, um, uh, the systemic racism and that's why Barbados is, they don't like the way that the systemic racism that Harry and Meghan talked about. I linked all of these pieces in here, by the way. That's what they were pushing incessantly. But it had nothing to do with that. It was just that these countries are taking super bad risky loans from China and betting that they can pay them back before default comes. And it's not happening that way. Now, here's the other thing. The, the, uh, uh, bitchy ginger and his uh, talentless wife they desperately wanted to represent the commonwealth in fact they were part of the uh they wanted it they were president and vice president of the queen's commonwealth trust before they were stripped of their roles after they left the monarchy because they were trying to treat the british taxpayer like a, a glorified welfare system and so then they turned around and they attacked the commonwealth as empire 2.0 after they were stripped of their roles now, a couple of new countries to the Commonwealth were livid by that, and they attacked them over it. Now, as I said, I don't believe that those two dummies had the influence to shift a large balance of power. But forces at play would absolutely use that ill will that they generate as a tool to try to further destabilize UK relations with Commonwealth nations and overall influence. And when you consider now that they're trying to take these countries in, offer them the snake oil, and then when they, I mean, I don't know how you can't, when they, the country's default, when China fails to deliver, they take them out. I mean, it, they own all of these mineral rights and everything else and have preferential trade agreements. 
That's bad. And that's what Boris Johnson was warning about. So that is how those two things connect together. And they're continuing. Because now, as part of the Three Amigos thing, I've noticed that now Canada, China's making inroads in Canada. Canada is also a Commonwealth nation. That is, this is the, like I said, this is the dangerous thing. You don't have to use a tank to, you know, trample a country. You can use loans. We're going to talk to Steve Yates about this coming up. Now, I wanted to play this audio real quick because I hate this ginger dude. I just don't like him. I think he's annoying. I think he's, I, I can't stand him. Can you play this soundbite where he said he didn't brag about killing 25 Taliban when he absolutely did? Play this. This was on that Colbert show. Veterans in the house tonight. <laughs> They actually probably saw that. Um, I think one of the most, uh, look, I'm not going to lie, the last few days have been hurtful and challenging, uh, not being able to do anything about those uh, leaks that you referred to. But perhaps the, or no, not perhaps, without doubt, the most dangerous lie that they have told is that I somehow boasted about the number of people that I killed in Afghanistan. But he did. I've, I've read that section of the book. and I'm, So this is what the section right of the here. book said, and I shared some of it with you. He was saying, most soldiers can't tell you precisely how much death is on their ledger. He said, borrowing, he's borrowing a phrase totally from the Avengers, a, a conversation between Scarlett Johansson uh, and Tom uh, Hiddleston, Loki's character. Uh, he says that uh, I did in the course, blah, blah, blah. He gets done to it and he goes, so my number, 25. It wasn't a number that gave me any satisfaction, but neither was it a number that made me feel ashamed. And that's what he wrote. He talked about 25 and he's like, some realities can't be changed. He goes, when in the heat of fog and combat, I don't think of those 25 as people. I mean, yeah, it sounds like he's bragging. And for him to sit here and say it was a dangerous lie, you moron. It was, you're the dummy who put it in the book. You're the one who openly bragged about, you know, maybe you did, uh, killing 25 Taliban jihadis at a time when you're complaining about most security with you and your wife. And you still have British soldiers and other soldiers who are redheaded serving overseas. And you're worried and you think that people reacting to what you disclosed is dangerous and not you disclosing that this is dangerous. He is a walking advertisement for a one child policy. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. (laughs) It's time for Florida man. I don't think this woman ever got Sam Jackson's message that you're not going to be bringing no er, er, snakes on a er, er, plane. This woman tried to bring her four foot long boa constrictor on a plane in Florida. Oh my gosh. She's flying out of Tampa International Airport. And this was a, it's a report from Travel and Leisure. This woman tried to sneak her four foot long emotional support boa constrictor through a security checkpoint. Yep, that is true. The TSA spokesperson actually confirmed this and tweeted this out. Tweeted it out just a couple of days ago. She said it was a TSA x-ray of Bartholomew, a boa constrictor who was in a traveler's carry-on bag. She said her snake was her emotional support pet. And TSA said, no, you can't. That's not what an emotional support pet is. People need to stop this. Why do people keep putting animals in their carry-ons and then acting like, oh, well, you know, it's my emotional support. No, it's not. Like, there, remember the time a woman tried to do a, would bring a bird? I'm telling you what. Stop it. A uh, Florida woman was accused of stabbing a roommate during an argument over a missing phone. Uh, if it's an iPhone, why don't you just find my phone it, right? 
This is in Miami. She was arrested. NBC affiliate reported uh, the stabbing happened uh, just the other evening. And they said she was 20 year old uh, Abigail Huntington was taken into custody. We have wokery for you coming up. Apparently, you can't say the word field anymore. I'm not kidding. Stay with us. The world today is facing a lot of uncertainty with the rise in authoritarian leaders causing global instability and the high cost of living, putting stress on families at home. People know I... Hmm. How, how ironic is that? You have uh, Justin Trudeau talking about, well, you know, the rise of author- authoritarian leaders like you? Like you? That was at the what they called the three amigos. Why wasn't that? Why wasn't the press referring to this as the three amigos thing? Not racist. They say everything else is racist. If you eat a taco salad too close to Cinco de Mayo, it's racist. So why is that not racist? I'm curious. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Top of our third hour. Good to be with you. And I okay. So Kane, while we were on break, he gets this call. Right, this recorded. It's like wrote this this robo call. And it's from the county in which we live here in Texas. So he recorded it. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is crazy. PH Vax Mobile will be located at Watauga City Hall on January 12th, 2023 from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. and 1 to 4 p.m. Free COVID vaccines and flu shots available. Please make your selection from the following choices. For indicating you plan on going, press 1. For indicating you do not plan on going, press 2. For indicating you are already vaccinated and or boosted, press 3. For indicating you need assistance and will call 817-24. Where's the indicating that you need that we need to just blank off? Where's that option at? Where's the middle finger indicator? So they're calling you to, hey, we've got free injections here. That's what it's for. And they're actually prompting you to give out personal medical information which is whether or not you've been vaxxed and boosted so is that not a hippo what's the number that called you i so want to call it live on air um hang on i'll look (laughs) who's the yeah who's i so want to call this is it is it a number we can call we can call but i don't think a live person because you know it was generating a robocall so i don't think a live person is going to be at this line yeah but it's still fun also whenever i get robocalls i love to sign numbers up for spam services it's my favorite thing ever to do to the point where it overloads their phone and you pretty much have to change your number i'm not even lying i totally do this you're like you're you're almost evil i'm petty i will take the time out of my day to do that like if i get unsolicited texts unsolicited emails I will destroy your account. Do you want me to call that number and see totally. if anybody is live? I so want you to call it. All right, I'm all it. about you calling this number. You go ahead and TCB. You call mm-hmm. it. Yeah, let's go ahead. No. the Tarrant County Public Health Call Center. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh. call may be recorded or monitored for quality assurance. Information is available on our website okay. at www. Oh, good God. I hate when they have to do www. I and love like, government w- running stuff. That's three W's. Waste of five seconds of my life right there. Well, it's government money, so they can sit here and spend all our tax dollars' money. That's what it is. All our taxpayers' money. Spend them tax dollars. Add another W in there and then refine it. Say, no, I just only the three. Stretch it out. Earn them tax dollars. Oh, my gosh. This is just, uh, And we, I mean, I joke about that, but we legit are paying for it. I mean... It, like, actually does. I mean, you are, we are paying for that. 
You know, there's another question I had. Mm-hmm. This was yesterday. I was thinking about this because the government is putting out advertisements all over radio. You you listen to radio, you watch TV, you'll see a COVID-19 mm-hmm. vaccine ad. What they're not doing in those vaccine ads are they're, they're not giving us the side effects. Like, you know, whenever a, a pharmaceutical is advertised and 10 seconds of the 60 second ad is about how good this benefit is of this drug, but then the other mm-hmm. 50 seconds of the ad is all about the side effects. Where you get, you know, gastral issues and explosive diarrhea, stuff like that. They're not mentioning it with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So isn't, isn't that a violation of what rules that the FDA and the rest of them have set up for pharmaceutical companies? You have to mention the side effects yeah. of something if you're going to be promoting it on television or, or uh, billboards or radio or anything. Yeah. I, I mean, it's the, sometimes that's like, what is it, three quarters of the commercial Here's this thing that may help you. Side effects include heart palpitations, sweatiness, slurred speech, vertigo, itching, dizziness, tingling in extremities, loss of balance or coordination, suicidal thoughts, murderous rage, profuse sweating, (laughs) temporary blindness. Which probably are all the side effects of the vaccine. A sudden affinity for malt liquor or Zima. (laughs) I mean, like... (laughs) But there's, are they not violating their own rules by not giving us the side effects when they're pimping out this vaccine? Do not taunt the injection. What? <laughs> I mean... They have to be held accountable, right? They're held to the, the same rules as these pharmaceutical companies are held to? Yeah, and then they have to tell you, like, you know, you know I, like what all is... Third ingredients limb. of the injection include an unknown glowing yellow liquid that was found on a rock which fell from space. I mean... FDA approved. FDA not, approved. Except it's not. Except it's not. The vaccine is still under emergency youth authorization. We do not have an approved vaccine. How can we do this? We can't approve it. Just say it's an emergency. Oh, we'll approve anything in an emergency. Right. Which is why they haven't We're going to have an emergency gender surgery order. You can chop your willy off because it is an emergency. So you don't need to have it FDA approved. I'm just saying. You can do a lot of things in a state of emergency, right? We're going to ban Green Day. State of emergency. But wait a minute. That, and it's going to help people live. No one else has to die from bad musical taste. It saves only one life. <sighs> we should ban them if it saves one life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The stupidity of their British accents when they're not British and their first album because they're trying to be British pop punk is just it's going to make me die. That's why they need to be banned. I'm just saying I have strong feelings about these things. By the way, the gas stove thing, they're walking it back. Oh, no. I I sent out a lovely picture of Jill cooking on a gas stove in the uh, email newsletter. Hold up. Let me find one of my mail. So now all of these, all the Biden regulator people, my uh, Richard Trumka Jr., who is the son of the AFL-CIO violent Richard Trumka, uh, my friend Stephen called him a Nepo baby. You know, nepotism. They had that whole thing. (laughs) He's on the Consumer Product Safety Commission. He's the guy who was like, yeah, we're going to come take your stoves. And now the Biden administration's like, well, wait a minute, hold up. They're, the head of the agency is backing off the statement. The Washington Times says that the Consumer Product Safety Commission walked back a claim made by one of its members that the Biden administration was weighing a ban. Talking about get over your skis. Trumka, who's a Biden appointee natch, uh, appears to have vastly overplayed his hand while claiming earlier this week that a ban was on the table because of studies. 
Do you know if you don't ventilate anything and you keep your kids' heads in the oven, it might make them sick and have asthma. That's crazy. I know. Have some lead. I mean... I'm I'm convinced (laughs) that they did this just to test the temperature of the country on Mm. certain uncertain ridiculousnesses. I think that's what this is. It's kind of like a psyop. You know what else um, has a detrimental effect on your kids' health? Uh... Teachers indoctrinating them about details of their sex lives. Yeah. I mean, if we care about the health of kids and stuff, right? I'm just saying. So they said that they were putting climate goals ahead of America's energy needs, which is, ta-da, you've discovered the green movement. Wow. Let's just, let's clap for that. Wow. This is like that Kylie Jenner audio, like it's the new year and me and my friends, we're just like realizing things. I need that on speed dial. Can you, because that, that is this moment and that soundbite were made to be together right now. It is just, that's, they actually just figured this out, guys. They just figured out that the green yeah, movement is about like putting climate. Is really about like the year of just realizing stuff and everyone around me were all just like realizing things. Oh man, that was an actual soundbite. What are you gonna do this year? I'm gonna realize things. What about you? I'm gonna realize stuff. (laughs) With my friends. I'm gonna go out and realize stuff with my friends. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right, so um, they said that I mean, they were like scaring everybody to death. Natural gas. Do you know if you put your head on the natural gas burner, your head could catch on fire? It is crazy. What? The danger. What? We're all in danger. Oh. And Joe Manchin said it's a recipe for disaster. I don't. You know what? I used to look at Manchin as like the cranky uncle who came in and told you all to knock it off. Like if you're playing with your cousins too loud. But now he made me mad. So I don't look at him like that anymore. He made me mad. 40% of U.S. households use natural gas stoves for everyday cooking. I used mine last night. Mm-hmm. I, I used mine last night. I actually used mine almost every day. And one of the last times I used it was to make this horrible protein concoction that I... Man, I got to have people stop making these little videos and putting them on social media like, this is going to taste good and it looks really good. And then you make it and it tastes horrible. Sidebar. Please just bear with me for a moment. So it said that you got to use, uh, you got to have your Greek yogurt, your almond milk, which is what squirrels drink. Um, I don't do, I don't do a lot of dairy, but I definitely don't do no almond milk. Like that sounds like the squirrel lobby is pushing that out there. Um, and it said to use oats and cinnamon, and then you use melted white chocolate, which seems totally healthy, but okay. And you basically melt your chocolate. I melted mine just a little glass bowl and just melted it real quick, a little Pyrex thing. Um, you mix it all up and it has to set overnight and it's a, and it, oh, and whey p- protein, whey powder. Uh, so whey protein, uh, just like a, you know, a, a half a cup of that. And it's, it looked like it tasted really good. You know, it, I looked at it. I was like, man, this looks like a treat. This looks so good. And do you want to know what it tasted like? Hmm. What? Yeah. It, it tasted like what, I mean, I, it, it tasted like the disappointment of all the years of human existence in one bowl. It was horrible. It was one of the worst things in my mouth. And I don't, I thought, you know, the oats were going to give it texture. It was horrible, horrible. 
No, I mean, no, that was, I'm not doing that again. So then I'm like, well, damn, I got all these oats. What do I do? (laughs) Gosh. So anyway, long story short, they're walking it back because people started making memes. You know, the Texas come and take it. They were replacing the cannon with the stove. I will legit fight the government over my stove. There are certain things that I will, you know, my gun rights, my gas stove. Yeah, I don't. And when you hear, oh, where do we got? Oh, please, we got the soundbite. I'm sorry, I'm talking. Oh, where's that soundbite um, that we had? Where, yeah, on night, well, no, we played. I don't really need to play it again. These people who have all been talking about it on television, none of these people have ever cooked. You know none of these people have ever cooked. They act like you just turn your, your, your gas oven on and you don't even let the flame ignite and you just fill your house with gas. That's what they act like you're doing. These people are the dumbest people I've ever heard talk. And they're sitting here going on and on about, well, you know, your kids are going to die. Love our gas fireplaces, though. I mean, those are amazing. Oh, my word. I, me and my gas stove, if I had to count, like, my best friends on one hand or limit my, you know, have my top three best friends, my gas stove is one of them. It's one of my top three best friends. You know why? Because that's, it is dependable. It works. It's before I get my stuff cooked the way I want it. Golly. All right, I I could talk about this for three hours. I could do an entire podcast on my best friend gas stove. I could. These people ain't never cooked. I'm listening to this guy talk, and I was like, this man ain't never even been in a kitchen. And the woman's like, "Mm mm-hmm, I totally know. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, this chick ain't never been in no kitchen either. I can hear it. I can hear it. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So employees at an Indian sports tech startup are going to get fined $1,200 if they contact staff who are on vacation. Can you imagine if we did that on the show? India's Dream Sports requires its employees to take a week off and unplug every year. Any employee who contacts vacationing staff faces a $1,200 fine. So they, they want people to take time off work. I think that's important. They're based in Mumbai. And it's a fantasy fantasy sports platform, Dream 11. And they said that, yep, they require everyone to take time off and unplug every year, which is good. And they said, yeah, it's uh, they would find people $1,200. They said, you know, if you, you're you out of the system, you take your time off. And we, it helps the business to know that we're not dependent on anyone. That's a really... That's a really good way to, to, I think, look at things. The finding is very interesting, though. Wells Fargo, once the number one player in mortgages, now stepping back from the housing market. Interesting. They're also shuttering its correspondent business that buys loans made by third-party lenders and significantly shrinking its mortgage servicing portfolio through asset sales. That's very interesting indeed. So they're changing changing some stuff on that. The uh, This researchers could track the GPS location of all of California's new digital license plates. That's actually, I don't like that. A team of security researchers managed to gain super administrative access into Reviver. That's the company behind their digital license license plate thing that launched last year. They can track the location of everybody through some of the a, a, a little bit of text at the bottom of the license plate. That's wild. Stay with us. Steve Yates next. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. Welcome back to the program. Bottom of our third hour here. Your lovable curmudgeon, Dana Lash, with you. You can listen to the show from affiliates across the country. You can also watch the simulcast 
on the first on YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. So just to, I always I always think I'm going to freak people out when I bring up something that seems like I'm going to be talking about one issue when it's actually kind of like the entryway to a larger issue. Because I was telling it a little bit ago, and if you get the newsletter, I sent out a piece on this that has tons of uh, all different kinds of reporting on this issue. I two things, actually three. I noticed when you had the um, what is it? His book Spare Us, that ginger whatever guy, uh, Prince over in Britain. Who him and his wife they came out with this book, and they went after the British Commonwealth, and they said it was Empire 2.0, and it made some other new newly made Commonwealth nations pretty angry about this. And then I saw uh, that last year it was Barbados that had left the Commonwealth. And I guess, I don't know, I would imagine that they're bots or maybe they actually have fans. That couple came out and said, oh, well, it's because uh, Barbados left because of uh, systemic racism in the Commonwealth and colonialism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I happened to come across this story and I've been say, I've been kind of keeping it, you know, say I bookmarked it. Um, And this was back when Boris Johnson was still prime minister and he was just blasting Beijing's expansionism amongst poorer countries and was warning people of what was going on with Barbados and saying that this is, you know, he was saying it was the uh, CCP chokehold. And I made the point, you know, of mentioning, too, we've talked about that one belt, one road policy. Because I think that when when you have this attack on these uh, associations and institutions like the Commonwealth and different trade associations, when people are trying to destabilize that, I don't think that the agitators that are trying, the variables trying to destabilize it have enough power by themselves. But I do think that China sees everything, all the stuff that's happening, and they would gladly exploit this stuff as a way to help themselves. And so as all this was happening, I saw another story just the other day talking about how in British Columbia, they're now dealing with a potential Belt and Road situation where you have China's looking to make deals and all this other stuff. I mean, you, you don't have to have a tank to crush a country. You can use loans. And that's exactly, I think, what we're seeing here. It's a way to like bring some disjointed stories together. But the Commonwealth, I don't think a lot of people have been paying attention to that. And it wasn't until they were compl- they were saying that Barbados left because of systemic racism and all the wokery with that. And I saw it inorganically amplified around social media. That made me think that there was something more to this. Joining us, and he is the powerhouse expert on all of these issues, our really good friend Steve Yates. He's a senior fellow at the America First Policy Institute and chair of the China Policy Initiative. And we're always so glad to see you. I hope you had a great Christmas. Happy New Year to you. I want, so I guess my first question with this, and I, I'm not saying, I'm not like a, I'm a proud American Republic. I just recoil at the thought of having a monarchy. However, I do realize that in a power vacuum, you know, tyrants would love to exploit things like that. And when you have these smaller nations that do not have associations with economic powerhouses like the United States or Britain or France or whatever, then that's a really great opportunity for predatory tyrants like China to come in promise all these great loans say oh we're well but in return we want preferential trade deals we want your mineral rights and i was reading through the list there are tons of countries that have signed on to this where like a quarter of their gdp is debt to china talk to us a little bit about this because that's why i think these associations even though they seem weird and outdated and a lot of people don't know what the commonwealth or some of these other trade partnerships are they they actually do kind of serve a purpose well then you're right in the the framing of this really needs to be on China under the Communist Party being a very aggressive parasite on a global system for resources and other kinds of opportunity. 
people often forget because there's been so much glitz and glamour in media coverage and scholarly analysis of China, that China under the People's Republic, which is the Communist Party country, they've invented no new technologies to improve the way of life of their own people, much less the world. All they can do is go out into the world and exploit. Now, colonialism was a real thing in the past, and it's a real thing now. Uh, but people really cheapen what that was when trying to compare today's Commonwealth relationships to those. I mean, uh, I think in your in your newsletter you made clear. I mean, there's no evidence at all that the Commonwealth relationship had anything to do with the treatment of of the kind humans in these in these smaller Commonwealth countries. Whereas the the Chinese opportunism really can hurt. When you look at One Belt, One Road, they go in and build stuff and they leverage loans. They have, in fact, destroyed one country in the world, Sri Lanka, with this over-leveraging of finance, and it all ultimately comes due. But in all these places, they come to find it's low quality, it's not reliable, it doesn't bring employment to their people. The Chinese masters bring in their own labor, so they don't even get the employment bump in these countries. That is actually truly exploitative and colonialist. Whatever Harry and his ilk are talking about, it's just divorced from what this reality is. Yeah, and we're talking with our really good friend Steve Yates, and you can find him at Yates Comms on Twitter as well. You had made the really good uh, comment before, I think, last year. You had said that you know, everyone always talks about colonialism. No one talks about Chinese colonialism and what they're doing through yeah. this 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 belt and road this i mean it is a a chokehold and then i saw just like most recently they're trying to now pave a similar belt and road initiative into british columbia there was this major warehouse facility under construction and they're looking to use this it's like a almost a 200 million dollar complex called the world commodity trade center a joint venture between the ccp company and a local development firm that i i mean i just think that considering what they're doing and their track record of of breaking down other countries through as you were talking about just mentioning sri lanka you would think especially a nation like canada would be a little little i don't know wiser about entering into agreements like this uh because this i mean this is canada i mean we just had the quote-unquote three amigos conference i don't know if that ever came up uh as a concern you know from partners you know united states and mexico but it just kind of shocks me how widespread this is even though we've we've seen the 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 history of, of what this of the consequences of this well, it is shocking in some ways and not shocking in others with regard to British Columbia. I mean, I sort of yearn for a uh, a Jesse Waters, Waters World walking down the street asking which country British Columbia is in, because most people would probably not guess Canada. Uh, but, uh, but it is, in fact, an area where a huge number of southern Chinese migrants moved uh, a lot out of Guangdong and the end of Hong Kong itself. Mm. And you would think that there's a higher degree of sensitivity among those po- sensitivity among those populations about what the CCP did to Hong Kong, uh, where I remind everyone there are political prisoners today. Yeah. Uh, my friend Jimmy Lai remains in prison, likely going to be awaiting trial under this national security law all of this calendar year. Uh, and he is seeking redress by way of the British government because he's a British citizen, because he lived under this system, this commonwealth. Uh, and so there's there's a very real security blanket and connective tissue among these, these societies 
for citizens who can't rely as a small country on their own government alone, but by being a part of something larger, they at least have some breath of hope should bad policies or bad actions by China or others come into play, that they've got power in numbers. Uh, so it's a very real thing. And really, it's shame on British Columbia's leadership not to be more protective of it. I've given up uh, expecting the young, charismatic leader of Canada to try to take the right China policy on things. Uh, he is actually part of the problem when it comes to seeing China clearly. Mm. The rest of the so-called Five Eyes countries, I think, have passed a sobriety checkpoint and seem to be trending back in the right direction. Yeah, that's a, a, a good point as well. And and there was a, uh, actually, a very, a, a shockingly, a somewhat insightful piece that was published at Washington Post, America Needs a Better China Strategy, a China Trade Strategy. Is it, I mean, I think it's pretty accurate to say that one of the reasons they've been able to grow so quickly in terms of, of, of flexing their, their economic muscle is because of the waning of United States and, and Britain and France. And, uh, and, and I, I think, you know, our consumer habits as well play into that. That's fairly accurate to say. All of those things play a role. Uh, but really, dumb Americans implementing dumb policy have done a lot to make America dumber and weaker. Uh, and I, I wish I would never have to say such things, but we made a bad bet with regard to pouring technology and capital and opportunity into China. Uh, there ought to be one of those stickers on every gas pump in China when it comes to their economy that they, they can't really claim any credit. We did that. But the thing is, we gave them this power and this leverage that they now use to strengthen a military, to challenge neighbors, and to undermine our own institutions. Uh, so we did that. The good news part of that means we can change course. We can build a new path forward. It'll take time. It'll be expensive, just like the one that we built for them. Uh, but we have to change that course. And the Congress, with this new select committee on China, I think is making a down payment on that broader policy shift. That's exactly it's a small move in some about. ways. It's an important move. Yeah, that, I was just going to ask you, what would you like to see with this new Congress? And and I think that could, I mean, that, that committee is a great one. I know you, you and I, I think, are on the same page when, and maybe some would view us as a little bit more draconian when we look at trade practices with China. But what would you like to see the House do? Last question for you as we start this new year. Yeah, well, I mean, number one, I think there's some simple principles that ought to be followed. No one from China should be able to do in the United States what Americans and American organizations can't do in China. Uh, no American or entity should be engaged in activity that makes uh, an enemy stronger and gives it more tools to use against us, not just in competition, but in even worse ways. And so so reciprocity and stop feeding a threat uh, should be some very simple principles. Uh, my, my friend and colleague, uh, Bob Lighthizer, coined this term strategic decoupling because it'll take time and it won't be in all areas, but we have to find a way to eliminate our reliance on China for strategically significant goods. And so we have that process is underway. We have to accelerate it. It's going to cross jurisdictions. That's why this select committee is important. It's not going to solve everything, 
But conversations about China have to marry up foreign policy and education policy, energy policy and national security policy, supply chains with things that have to do with protecting core institutions in the United States. Homeland security has to be rolled in with it along with immigration. I just end on what I think is the single greatest external threat to American families and communities today. And it's the nexus of China, cartels, an open border and fentanyl. It has hurt dearly my family and many, many other families and it makes every state a border state. And it is, I think, one of the biggest challenges of our time. And only this select committee has the jurisdiction to take on kind of that multi-headed hydra. You put it into any one of those silos and we fail. Oh, that's a great point. Well stated. Can't add anything to that. Steve Yates, as always, very good to see you, my friend. So appreciate your expertise on this and boiling it all down for everybody to understand. It's so helpful. Thank you. So good to see you. Thank you, Dana. Take care. Of course, you too. And we have more to come as we wrap up this third hour of our broadcast. We have today in stupidity on the way, too, and you don't want to miss that. As we get moving, uh, yeah, today in stupidity on the way. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. I'm going to make sure that we have uh, Stephen's interview up. That's incredibly helpful, too. And we'll talk more about that uh, subcommittee coming up this, late, this, this week, tomorrow, and next week, too. Stay with us. Back after this. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And this from Illinois, the governor signed into a law, an assault style, I hate using phrases like that, but that's what they say, weapons ban in his state. The bill, I had no problem going through the legislature. It was passed by the Senate 3420, followed by the House in Illinois 68 to 41. It bans the sale, delivery, and purchase via Washington Examiner of so-called quote-unquote assault weapons as defined by the bill, and it includes, it defines like 100 different types of rifles, shotguns, and pistols to be banned. And people who own them, they don't have to surrender them, but you do have to register them. I predict a lot of boat accidents are going to be taking place. There's a lot of lakes in Illinois. A lot of lakes. You know, I mean, there's going to be loss in in a boating accident. And so, the... Pritzker says it's called the Protect Illinois Communities Act. It bans the sale, and they use a whole bunch of stupid phrases, of assault weapons, high-capacity magazines. It, it, it's ridiculous. And I can't imagine this going unchallenged at all whatsoever. Because this, this you're talking about banning semi-automatic firearms that's it it's it's semi-automatic firearms that's i mean i i that is going and they're commonly owned and that was the other thing that factors into allowance as cited by scalia in in the heller decision so i'm i'm just and so there's going to be a court fight over this i can't imagine that it i can't imagine this is allowed to because you're you're talking about so many things they want to limit for handguns 10 rounds and rifle magazines sorry rifle magazines limited to no more than 10 rounds handgun magazines capped at 15 geez they would everything i have would be illegal uh current owners of quote-unquote assault weapons are told they have till january 1st of next year to register there's no way i'd register my damn guns hell no 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 or you get a felony charge they're just going to make up a felony right here. 
they're going to make up a felony. You either register your lawfully owned product uh, or we're going to charge you with a felony. Doesn't he look like a DC villain, J.B. Pritzker? He does. And so they're going to they're going to be going to court over this. And I hope I'm glad that they are. But this is, by the way, you have to realize, too. And I don't know how many times I've, I've had two books on it. I've written reams on this. The people driving the crime rate are the same, according to the uh, former police superintendent there in Cook County, the same 1,400 repeat offenders. It's over 86% of Chicago's crime, and it's repeat offenders elsewhere statewide. Those are the people that are driving up the rate, and they're not doing it with rifles. They're doing it with illegally possessed handguns. All of the available public information shows that these, and when they remember when the DOJ went, did that uh, very inconvenient for them survey and they were talking to felons about where they get their guns, one of the surveys they took from, from uh, inmates was in Illinois. They don't get their guns. They don't walk into to, to retail stores and buy their guns. They get them off the black market. And that was, like, that was almost 90% of where most of them got them. Some of them were straw purchases, which, by the way, Chicago st- cities in Illinois are at the bottom of the list for prosecuting those. So this is... This is nonsense. They're going to sit here and blame this on law-abiding people? Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, you know I'm going to be writing something about this. We'll be talking more about it later as well. All right, today's stupidity, Kane, if that's All not right. enough. It is, uh, yeah, no kidding. CNN's Bill Weir. This is the science oh he's God. talking about, this, showing this us guy. that having a gas stove in a small apartment is kind of like having your car idling right there in the living room. Listen. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, the science is showing us that having... A gas stove in a small apartment, especially with bad ventilation, it's like having an, oh a car gosh. idling there. And if you have wow. young kids, it can affect cognitive abilities. And mm, it, How bad was this lie, Dana? They started walking this back already. Oh, they? yeah, this afternoon. Yeah. yeah the, so. uh, the Consumer Product Safety Commission tried to say that Richard Trumka Jr., whose dad is the violent AFL-CIO guy, uh, yeah. who tried to take on the Tea Party back in the day, they're trying to say, no, he didn't actually, he yeah. doesn't have the authority to really say that. We're not doing anything. So beware but we know pundits. what was in the works. Just we know what plan was pundits. in the works. Beware yeah. of the pundits. There you go. Folks, we'll be back with you tomorrow, Friday. No, not Friday, Thursday. Almost at Friday. And make sure you sign up for the newsletter. God bless.